worthy, worthy, worthy. Father God, in these next few moments, we recognize that we rest in your worthiness, Lord. We know how good you are in these these next few moments. God, may your spirit just be in this place. May you touch each person. May they know that you're real, that you're worthy to be praised. May we leave here with maybe just an understanding of who you are and for others, a deeper love, more profound love of who you are. May we leave here challenged and changed because you are worthy to be praised. It's in this name that we pray. Amen. Warehouse, how are we doing this morning? Cold? I'm freezing. For some of you who just moved here, I know there are a couple of you. Um, I have a, uh, my father-in-law just moved down and from Chicago, and he brought some of this cold with him, so I hope that they take it back. It's not why I live here. I live here for the warmth, but I guess once in a while it's good. Have you ever been told these words? Grow up. Every day. I was going to say, Pastor Mark, if you're in one of our meetings, you would probably tell us, you guys need to grow up. And maybe you've been told that because you've done something that you thought was funny and someone else didn't think it was that funny, or maybe it was done to them, or you just are a person who just loves to joke, and um, you've either been told that or someone has... Or you've been the one that has said that. Why don't you just grow up? And sometimes you just don't want to grow up. For me, as, as a kid, I had this problem. I, I didn't want to grow up. I didn't want to be a bigger kid. I, I didn't want to go to um, have that responsibility. And I remember a church before I came here, I, I, I was in a, a smaller church that my parents um, went to, and I remember specifically being in this Sabbath school class, Um, it was, I think it might have been um, primary, I I don't remember exactly the class, but I used to love this specific class. They they, they used to have this this train that was made of of cardboard, this this church member made it, and you had seats on one side of it, and it looked like you were kind of driving the train, and, and I was at the time, I got to be the conductor, and I loved being the conductor of the train because I'd sit in the front and pretend like I was um, uh, conducting this, this train. And I remember specifically this, this Sabbath school teacher. Everybody loved her. Her name was Ruth. And I think I have a picture of her because recently, uh, do I? Should be. Uh, recently, uh, not too long ago, that's her. Uh, maybe some of you guys know her. She used to live here for years but recently, she found me um, here. She actually lives in Wisconsin, I believe, and um, she came to church when we had table Sabbath, and her daughter said, found me in the youth center, said, we've been looking for you. Ruth really wants to see you. And I hadn't seen this woman in so long, and so I got to just talk with her for a little bit, but she was the most amazing person, the most amazing teacher that we ever had. She was loving. She always had a smile on her face. She was patient with the 30-something kids who were running around doing crazy stuff. She was just an amazing person. 
And I remember I didn't want to leave her Sabbath school class. I didn't want to go to the next grade, partly because I really, really liked her as my, my teacher, but I knew what came with that. And so somehow, some way, I convinced my mom to let me stay back in primary for another year. So I was like the biggest kid in, in the class. That's the only time I was the biggest kid in class. Uh, after that, it just stopped growing. But she let me stay there, and I, I got to be in that class because I, I didn't want to grow up. And Ruth was just such an amazing, she's just one of those people that if you grow up and maybe you have someone in your life that you remember who was just had such an impact on your life and, and just loved. And I didn't want to leave her, her class, and I thought it was so cool that she found me and we got to just reconnect. But I didn't want to leave. I, I didn't want to grow up. But sometimes we're forced to and, and move on to the next phase of our life. But the reason why we don't want to grow up, we can probably pinpoint some of those, and it's a lot more stress. I can think of a few ways, reasons why now, maybe I couldn't pinpoint back then why, but now I can think of why I didn't want to grow up. A lot more stress, student loans, got to pay bills, ain't nobody want to pay bills, but you got to work. You got responsibilities, you have things that are put on you that as, if, if, as, a, as a, a husband or a wife, you have duties and responsibilities that you have to take care of and more things just keep getting added on to your plate. You get older, you get these aching joints and pains in your body and places that you didn't know existed because as you grow, that's just what happens. Things begin to hurt. To be a child again would be so great sometimes. Just got to eat, sleep, play, and poop. That's it. That's all you got to do. Part of me really would enjoy just doing that sometimes. No responsibility. Just, I know that my parents are going to be there for me to take care of me. And, and part of me, when, when Jesus says to be a child, to be tend to the kingdom, you must be like a child. I love that, that that idea, that thought, and it, it isn't so much that we have to revert to being children, but there is a dependency that we put on someone else when we're a child, knowing that we can't do it ourselves, but we need someone to get us through. To be like a child, to enter the kingdom is depending on, on Jesus, but it also means not having a lot of those responsibilities that someone else can carry it for you. So sometimes, I don't want to grow up. The reality is, however, we do get older and things happen and, and time isn't on our side. And the only person or being that exists out of time and space is God. Adeline, my, my oldest, she shares these sentiments. We'll be, I'll put her down in bed and, and this is her like most deepest thoughts and reflection is right when we're going to bed. And they seem to last a really long time. And she just, just, she gets just like asking me all these like deep theological questions. And I'm like, where were these questions at 6.30? It's like eight now. And, and like, I got to answer it because she knows that I'm a preacher. But she'll sit with me and she'll talk, or she'll lay down and she'll say, I, I don't want to grow up. I, I don't, I don't want to get older. And we have the same fears as a child. I didn't want my parents to get older. I remember having like a, a full-on breakdown in the car because I thought my parents were going to be get old and, 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 and Adeline is the same way and she doesn't want me to look like my father. She's like, I don't want you to get old and look like Abuelo Papo. 
And she has the same fear. She's like, it's so fun being a kid. But the reality is, time isn't on our side. So with age comes a lot of things. And I'm not that old. I'm 35. But it feels like when I hit 35, that extended warranty ended. And then everything just fell apart. You know how it is when you get the car, you buy the warranty. And like the day after like your motor dies or transmission's gone or something, everything starts to happen as soon as the warranty is over. And for me, like 35, it's like, what in the world? I, I, I feel like I aged 10 years. I don't know what it is, but that is what happens as we begin to grow older. So here are some things that happen. I looked up some of the, some of the common health concerns that we have, and I did it by decade. So in your 20s, some of the things that you have to, to worry about is, is uh, immune system disorders, such as lupus, arthritis. In your 30s, weight gain, hormone levels start to lessen, diabetes. In your 40s, heart disease, blood clots, osteoporosis, 50s, high blood pressure, cholesterol, arthritis. Should I go on or are you pretty depressed already? I'll stop. But this is how we view aging. We get older, oh man, like all this stuff's going to happen. I got to start taking these tests and like I don't want to get older. But it isn't all that bad. Aging, getting older, maturing isn't always, doesn't always have to be looked at from this way. But we always associate it with some kind of negative thing, health concerns, whatever it is. But with age, with maturity, with growth, even spiritual growth, there are good things that happen. There are opportunities that come our way as we continue to mature and grow. Opportunities that maybe weren't there 10 years ago, 20 years ago. With age, we gain plenty of memories, plenty of wisdom people pouring into you, things that you learn along the way as you begin to grow, you, you learn what not to do and what to do, and you read books and you, you listen to podcasts, whatever it is, you, you, you read through scripture, you begin to develop wisdom and knowledge, stuff that you didn't know 20 years ago, stuff that you wish you could tell yourself, your 15-year-old self, your 20-year-old self. But we gain a lot of things as we get older. For some, it's an opportunity at a job, financial gain, experience, more responsibility, things that you've, you have longed for and the time that you invest in the work. If you, if you do a good job, you have an opportunity to move up. As the church, the early church, began to grow and it's state of, of infancy, and, and we read in the book of Acts what that looked like. They were in this stage of just, of literally, they were in the baby stage. There was so much growing and, and understanding and just getting to know how things worked and functioned. There wasn't much structure. It was just people falling in love with Jesus and knowing that there was no need for a sacrifice. There was no need for, for us to bring a blameless lamb to be slaughtered now, Jesus paid the price, and so we live in the supremacy of what Jesus is. And, and the church began to grow and, and form, and, and the expectations were low, but 
it was just a time of coming together. But the church began to grow. And it got bigger. And as it got bigger, there became a list of expectations, of responsibility, of things that needed to happen now that the church was beginning to age. There was a, a structure that needed to happen, expectations that needed to be brought out and lived out. As the church got bigger, things began to take shape and to take form. And what we see in Ephesians 4 is some of that structure, some of those expectations, some of that spiritual maturing, not only in the church, but in the people. Responsibility and maturity are two of the characteristics that the church begins to form in Ephesians 4. What does maturity look like as followers of Jesus, and how are we supposed to relate to one another within the body of Christ? What does it mean to grow up in the body of Christ? Ephesians 4, 11, starting verse 11, if you have your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen, it says this, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. What has God equipped you with and for? What does it look like to not be tossed to and from, to move from a stage of infancy? Many of us have read through this, and if you read from the beginning of Ephesians 4 and even through it, you, you, you know the, the analogy of the body of Christ Peace. You know what it means that some of us and some are called to be the hands, the feet, a different part of the body. And Pastor Mark talked about what it means a few months ago now, what it means to, to work together to move forward. So what is our duty? What is our responsibility as Christians, as followers of Jesus within this system? What are our expectations? What does God expect of you specifically? What is our prayer to God? What does your prayer look like as, as, as you walk and journey with Jesus? Is it, God, what do you expect of me? God, how can I serve you better? God, what are the expectations that you have of me as a follower of you? Better yet, where is your opportunity to make a difference with time comes the ability to, to make more money. Like I said, to meet new people, new experiences. To possibly move across the country, a different place, to, to influence a new group of people. With time, with age, we learn from those mistakes in our life. And we learn from others and others' teachings in school, as we go to college, as we leave college, as we have mentors, we, we absorb all these things and, and we begin 
to learn what these expectations look like in our life. Growing in our walk with Christ through the understanding of Scripture, opportunities to impact groups that you've tracked time with because of your credibility. As we grow, as we spiritually grow and mature, we're surrounded by a group of people and there's trust that's established and there's credibility and there's opportunity for us to impact the people that we journey with at work, in our social life. There's opportunity there the more time passes. So what is your posture as you gain and track more time in your life? What opportunities have you missed? Or have you simply lived the life of saying, I'm just getting older. I don't want, I look, I don't want to look forward to, to these body pains, these stresses in my life. Not living in the present moment and saying, God, how can I serve you better today? What opportunities are you giving me today so that I can serve you better? What is my part in the body of Christ. What does that look like for you? How can we serve God better? Well, part of it, it takes a lot of self-work. If we're going to ask that question, if we're going to pray that prayer, it doesn't end there. Because I believe God works through life experiences and, and through just our daily life. There's this thing that we used to do when, as, uh, in CPE, clinical pastoral education, as chaplains. We go through this training, and one of the things that we have to do is we, we, we write these verbatims. We, we visit, we used to, I used to visit with patients, and in this training, you would bring a, a verbatim, a word-for-word interaction with a patient to this group. They would read it, and then you would reflect on that. And then you would change maybe things that you could do differently. That was called action, reflection, action. You take action, you make a decision, you reflect on it with a group, then you go back the next time and see how you could do things differently. And that created so much growth. But I believe that's something that we can apply as Christians, as, as disciples of Jesus. Make an action, reflect on an action, and say, how can I do better? How can I serve God better in my family? How can I be a better father? How can I be a better mother? How can I be a better employee? How can I be a better worshiper? How can I be a better servant for God? What can I do in my church better? Action, reflection, action. In order for us to ask the question and do it justice, we must be willing to learn from our past. Be open to understanding that there are things that we can do better and not stay stagnant. It means working on yourself. It means having discipline within your walk with God. Discipline in your giving. How can you give better? Discipline in your devotion. God, how, how can I spend more quality time, better quality time with you? What does this look like? Maybe you've looked back at your devotional life and nothing's changed in the last 20 years. Have you prayed the prayer of God, how can I spend more intimate time with you? In your prayer life, how can we love better? Or have we remained 
same. Spiritual gifts, we've talked about it in the past. And in Ephesians 4, we start seeing some of these spiritual gifts and some of these specific assignments. And one author says this about the spiritual gifts in the body of Christ. Although the church was unified in Christ, there was diversity, and it was in the gifts. We are unique. We weren't all called to be and do the same thing. We all have different parts, assignments, duties, obligations. We weren't all all created to be prophets and teachers, but we all were called to have responsibility. If you're a follower of Jesus, there is a responsibility, a, a gift that he has given you to exercise for him. What is that? Have you spent time searching and understanding what God has called you to? What does that look like? We are called to be refined. A life with Jesus, a life that continues to grow and evolve is refined and it also means that we are called to be held accountable. We are not called to all be the same thing. And so much of the time in our life, we we like to compare our situation with someone else's, our call with someone else's. Craig Rochelle uh, says this this comment, this this quote, and I I love it because we live in this life of comparing everything and and so much so that when we compare our situation, it's because we want to be like that person or that situation, or that thing. And, and he says this, the quickest way to kill creativity or a calling is to compare it to someone else. Are you comparing your situation, your calling, to someone else because of what? Does it make you feel better? Because it's, it, it limits your creativity. The quickest way to kill your calling is to compare it to someone else's. Although we are called to be unified in the church, we are diverse in the gifts that God has given us. We all can't be feet. We all can't be arms. We all have a specific role to play in the body of Christ. What does that look like? In order for us to really live the life to the fullest, the way God really intended for us to live, for you to live specifically, it means to be held accountable. Do you have someone who holds you accountable in your walk with Jesus? There are people in my life who can ask me at any moment how I'm doing in my spiritual life, how I'm being as a father, as, as, a, as a husband. And my obligation to that person is to answer honestly because I want to become better. I want to be a better father. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a better Christian. And that's why God has given us the body of Christ to hold us accountable, but to help us when we're hurting. To to help us move along the path of life together. What What does it look like in your life to be held accountable? This is what spiritual maturity looks like. This is what it means like, this is what it means to grow in Christ. These are the things that we have to do if we want to become spiritually mature and grow and take advantage of the opportunities that God is putting in our lives, we have to do 
the part of asking God, God, how can I serve you better? We have to be willing to change. Yes, the church was meant to have structure. And structure isn't wrong as long as power is not the obsession. And I've seen and I've heard and we've experienced where church structure has become an obsession of power. And I believe structure is a beautiful thing and it, it's, it's, it's given to us in the body and how we're supposed to be part of that. The power has corrupted that. And it's hurt some of us because of that. Without healthy structure, there is chaos. Have you been called to a role within the structure of Christ, within the body of Christ? Do you know what your position is, what your role is? Spiritual gifts, they were never intended for personal interests or to benefit ourselves, but to benefit the body of Christ. Church wasn't designed to be stagnant or to settle. It was never meant to get comfortable. But church culture, it's changed. Our church, the community at large, the Christian church, as it moved from Axon to where we are today, a lot of, a lot of it has changed. We're so afraid of, of losing people we know what it, what Christ, how Christianity has moved and how it's evolved, even from 30 years ago. But we're so afraid of losing people that we don't want to offend people or make anyone uncomfortable anymore for fear of losing them. So the church that once started as a movement lost its momentum because we're afraid of losing people. The early church was bold. They stood up for what they believed in. They, they were all about sharing the gospel of Jesus at all costs, so much so that they would put their life on it. We've taken the phrase, come as you are, and we've made it our mission. Like that is our end goal, come as you are and stay that way. See, that was never Jesus' plan. Jesus accepted people the way they were, but if we understood and we, we know what it means to accept Jesus and to live a life with him, we know that we are not to remain the same. We come to Jesus knowing that we're in need of saving, that we're broken, and we need someone to bring us out of where we are. We don't live a life and saying, oh yeah, I've accepted Jesus, but I'm just going to stay where I'm at. It's not what we were called to be. It's not what Jesus designed salvation to look like. But so many times, this is how we approach God. Like we, we, we like the eternal life piece, but we want to stay where we are. Following Jesus is a transformation of ourselves. When, 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 when Jesus said, come and follow me, there was sacrifices that had to be made. Things had to happen in someone's life. And it maybe was a little uncomfortable. It maybe didn't feel good at the time. But a life with Jesus is life changing. 
A life with Jesus is not life remaining. He called us specifically to do greater things. And I, I, I believe with my heart that each and every one of us has felt that call. If we have encountered Jesus and, and we have gone to our knees and we've said, God, I want to be challenged and changed, that that opportunity has moved us. And, and maybe we haven't acted on it, but we have sure felt that discomfort. We definitely have felt it. And, and, and maybe it's that accountability that you need. Someone to say, I know, I'm, I know where I need to go. I know what I need to do. I know that God's calling me to leave this individual in my life who's just wreaking havoc. I know that I need to leave this unhealthy relationship and I need you to hold me accountable. Maybe that's what that looks like. But to follow Jesus, we were not meant to remain the same. Your life wasn't meant to reflect the divine intention your life was meant to reflect the divine intention that God has set for each of us. The unifying factor that brings us together is grace. That's the unity. We may have different callings, different paths. But the immovable bond is Jesus. He is the one that brings us together. Despite our differences, despite our paths that we take, Jesus and grace is the unifying peace. It's the thing that, that when we come to, and when it all boils down to it, we're broken. We have a past. We've done things that we aren't proud of. But the body of Christ, the reason why we stick together is because Jesus died so that you can be freed of that. So that you can live your life to its fullest potential. God has has designed you and he has created you because he has a purpose for you and it isn't to serve yourself it's to serve him that is why you were created but it isn't until we realize that it isn't until we reflect and we say God I am a sinner in need of saving how can I serve you better that he can really do a work in your life that you understand what your spiritual gift is that we can become spiritually mature Maturity is a, a, a thing that continues. It is something that we practice each and every day. We don't just get to this point and say, oh, we've, we've got it all. I get it. I've completely understood scripture and, and I, I know what I need to do because if that was the case, then there'd be no need for Christ anymore. So how can we equip you? What can we do as a church to serve you better? Without him, we cannot fulfill what we've been created for. And maybe you know what you're supposed to do. Maybe you know your calling. And you know deep down what God has, has, has built you for and designed you for. But you've just lost your faith. You've lost hope. When you didn't believe that you could do it, you've said, God, I, I'm out. Although I know what's intended for me. But here's the good news. Is God doesn't have crisis of faith. We have that crisis of faith. God has hope in you. God believes. 
That's why he created us, that we can come to him. He's given us a second chance. So where do you need accountability to continue to grow spiritually, to strengthen that relationship with God, with your community? Where do you need to become a little bit uncomfortable? Where is that, where is that thing in your life that you've pushed aside that you haven't brought it to God and say, God, how can I do this better? How can I love my family better? How can I be a better person? How can I forgive the person who hurt me? How can I tell your story better? Have we put ourselves in that posture of prayer to God? Because if not, we've remained the same. We're stagnant. We don't move forward into the beauty of what God has wanted for us. If you thought that age was the only measure of spiritual growth, Oswald Chambers says this, spiritual maturity is not reached by the passing of years, but by obedience to the will of God. It doesn't matter how old you are. It could be in middle school, high school. It could be 80, 90 years old. What matters in spiritual growth and maturity is our obedience to God. Fully open and transparent to Him. Saying, God, how can we love better? How can we serve you better? This is what it means like to mature, to spiritually mature. The word until in the passage we read suggests that the work of equipping and refining should be an unceasing effort made by the church until it attains unity of faith and has grown into the fullness of Christ. That word until means our work is never done until he says it is done. The part of us being sinners in need of saving and, and, and being saved, that was finished on the cross. But our work in telling about who Jesus is and what he has to offer and how good he is and what he's done in our life, that's every day. Sharing of his love worshiping who he is, our God Almighty, isn't over. That goes on until eternity. That's forever. But we weren't meant to be stagnant. We weren't meant to remain the same. We were meant to be changed from the state of where we were at. And maybe you came to God in a place where you were hurting in tears and you were broken Maybe you've come to a place where you were content because you don't hurt anymore. But that was just the beginning of your transformation. The ending is telling people of how good God is, of what he's done in your life, of walking with others who were in the place that you were in, of being that teacher, of being that disciple maker, holding their hand and saying, I remember where I was and I remember where God saved me. That is part of the work. That is being spiritually mature, investing in someone else. That's discipleship. So what does that look like? Are you a disciple maker? What do your prayers look like? What does your posture look like 
when you come to God. God, help me to be a better disciple maker. God, how can I serve you better? There are tons of opportunities at our church that you can engage in from our our weekly gatherings, whether here in the sanctuary, small groups that Pastor Julie is doing, home churches that we have going on, our table Sabbaths where we have deep conversations with with one another, our nights of worship. These are opportunities for you to open up to God and, and to begin that journey, to refine you, to sharpen you. We want to help you serve God better. And if there's something that's stirring in your heart that, that you need that accountability or that you want to access, there are pastors here. Pastor Matt's here this morning, Pastor Mark, Pastor Justin, myself. We want to journey with you. We don't want you to remain the same. I want you to look back when we celebrate 2024, looking back on this day saying, I served God better this year. I've grown in Christ this year. If you've been journeying with Warehouse for the last two years, my prayer is that you can look back in 2021 and say, I've grown in Christ. I've loved better. I've served better. I have spiritually matured. As we mature, may we look at it from a place, not from negativity, but a place of opportunity. May each day be an opportunity where we say, God, what do you have for me today? What opportunities can you give me so that I can love you better, I can serve you better? May that be how we grow spiritually. We have one goal. That is to proclaim the good news. One one goal, one name, that name is Jesus. That is what we've been called to do, and it may look different for you and for me, but ultimately, our goal is that Jesus shines through everything that we do. That we don't remain where we are, but we move forward. As Paul says, May we look forward to the prize that Christ has set forth. And when when he comes that day, when he looks us in the eyes, my prayer, that he looks at warehouse, that he looks at each and every one of you, and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Father God, Lord, we thank you for how good you are. We thank you in advance for the opportunities that you send Lord, we pray for growth. We pray for growth that only you can give. We pray for transformation. We pray, I pray that you make this room uncomfortable. That you challenge, that you change us. That you break our hearts for what breaks your heart. That we fall deeper in love with you. May we rest in your goodness and in your worthiness. God, we thank you for what you're going to do, what you've already done, and we thank you for when you come and return. But we look you in the eyes and you can rest and we can rest in who you are. Lord, may we grow in your grace. Christ, name we pray. Amen.